Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Third Degree Burn. I'm David, joined by Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello. And by Brian. Hello, Brian. Hi. Hi, how's it going? And by Kirk. Say hello. hello. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to cover Else, uh, X-Men Elsewhere, number 29 and number 30. Uh, and with that, I'm leaving because I have a five and a nine year old who are going to be screaming imminently. I'm sure about some Lego or some thing that the one did to the other and they didn't like it and yada, yada. Pray They've been me. so restrained up to now. This they, have been. Yes. they have been. All right, guys, have a great time. Reward them All with right. ice cream and, and love. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for that intro, David. And well, can't David do ice the, we're getting short as far as uh, the number of issues that are left in this project. And we we'd are. really like to hear from you what you like and what you have enjoyed in this series and also what else you'd like us to cover later on. So don't forget to drop a line to gottagetburned at gmail.com or on the Facebook page or any way you want to send the message except for Carrier Pigeon. That's not working right now. But uh, let us know what you think and what you'd like because that's important in terms of us determining the future direction. And it saves us from having to do all the thinking. Yeah. So who's done the research and the heavy lifting for this issue? I have done, well, I didn't do any research, but I did do the heavy lifting as I did write uh, two personal, uh, personally wrote two synopsises for these uh, issues, which uh, to pull the curtains back, we tried to do this a couple weeks ago and we had some technical difficulties. So, Hopefully this time we won't uh, we won't have the same problems. So I'd say the uh, ball is in your court, Tim. All right. Well, we want to get right into it. Sure. All right. Yeah. This is as if anybody has been listening, and why had you not? This is uh, our coverage of the Elsewhen uh, fan work of John Byrne, if you want to call it that. It's his non-published, non-selling. Uh, I'm doing it for my own thing to scratch an itch work. So he has been taking up the mantle of the X-Men as if he had never left the book and how he would have progressed the story. So, and we, as Kirk said, we are coming to a close. What's the 30, is it 35, 30, what's the last issue? I think it's 32. 32, 32 okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be probably uh, two, one more episode and we'll have the end of this run. Uh, our... First issue is issue number 29, entitled What Price? Yesterday, Part 3. And this is uh, John Byrne, top to bottom. Writer, artist, uh, editor, writer, everything. Okay. We open shortly after the end of last issue. Jean Grey is battling a Phoenix-infused cop in the middle of a busy street. The Phoenix Force wants her body and will, take, and will, and will not take no for an answer. The young mutant is confused. She was never possessed by the Phoenix entity. Phoenix tries to take Jean as her parents look on in horror. 
Her mother rushes to her aid, and when the entity takes over the older woman's body, which cannot take the strain, to save Jean, Jean must allow the universal force of the Phoenix to take her. We cut to the deep woods of the Yukon. James and Heather Hudson are confronted by a wild man. They have found him. James explains to Logan he found the reports on the operation that provided the werewolf with his adamantium skeleton and claws. James was impressed with Logan's time with the invaders and felt he could be a good fit with the team the government is putting together. Logan agrees, but only with the condition he can leave whenever he wants. Nine months later, Logan and James are in front of the PM. Logan has been trained as an undercover operative, but Hudson wants to, ta wants to take his team public a team to represent Canada just like the FF represent the US. The mutant is gifted a new uniform and a new name, the Wolverine. His first of many missions is to take down the Hulk and the Wendigo. He is not successful. Back to the present. The cop, no longer possessed, draws his gun and orders the two women to halt. He is killed for his troubles. Jean's mother's body is burning up, uh, look, looking like a cadaver. Scott Summers and Aurora arrive to find the Phoenix now in the body of Jean. The X-Men are surprised to see the Phoenix. To see the Phoenix, Xavier told them the Phoenix was dead. The Gene slash Phoenix Phoenix is delighted to see Scott and greets him with a big smooch. Back to the past, Logan continues his to hone his skills and is soon is joined by other members of Alpha Flight, Sasquatch and Snowbird. His missions include those with the team and solo outings. He also gets an upgraded costume. Then one day he is visited by a man, a man in a wheelchair. Professor offers the Canadian a job. Like Liam Neeson, he wants his stocky, mutant, unique set of skills. <laughs> the government protests, but one cut, one cut tie later, Wolverine is on his way. He says goodbye to Hudson and tells him he might be back after the job is done. Logan slowly wakes up in the present, surrounded by his friends. He recognizes James Hudson as Guardian and Heather, but not the others. Pablo tries to hug him, but Logan pushes the child away. His mother rushes to him as the young mutant's eyes begin to glow. Cut to deeper within the X-Men's new HQ. The deactivated Sentinel Kitty and Ashley found, see issue 25, stands up and staggers to a wall socket. He pulls out a cord and plugged, plugged itself in to recharge. Cut to New York. Kurt Wagner is flanked from a pair of Doombots as the Latverian Embassy prepares to, to greet the arrival of its new Lord and Master. Dr. Doom beams in and asks if the mutant Nightcrawler has been captured. The butler says no, and his life is forfeit. Back at the X-Men home base, Logan is slammed into a wall by Pablo. As you can guess, Logan is not happy and wants, to, and wants answers. Xavier explains they are his friends, and as the mutant tries to come to terms with his missing memory, Kitty tries to calm Pablo. Shaman presents Logan with a new retro costume. The group discusses Wolverine's recovery. Yes, he has most of his memories back, but he is missing his years of the X-Men. Years that mellowed him. Years that allowed him to fit in. Xavier feels he might be dangerous. Logan enters in his new costume. Xavier offers to do a deep scan of his brain, but the Canadian tells him another time. Wolverine is itching for a scrap and is up for anything. To be continued. And that is well the end of that issue. Thank you. Yeah. I, I stumbled over that a little bit. but No, it was, it was a really good, very good summary of, of, of that. I always, you know... I struggle doing these synopses more than I do of his um, original stuff. I think because I mean, with the, not his original stuff, but his his uh, regularly published stuff. And I think part of it is that you know I've read those so many times. Usually, 
I know them very well, and I can pretty much you know summarize them from memory. Though right. I borrow a lot from you know the the wikis and other things. You know, there's a lot of stuff written about his older stuff. So this right here is so fresh. There's, there's nothing. nothing out there on him. No. And so, yeah, just coming up, you know, doing that synopsis is uh, very difficult. So that was really, really well done. Thank you. Thanks. Well, he his storytelling throughout these issues, and we've commented on this, that he jumps around a lot. He is really doing mm-hmm. a lot of, one, he'll do back and forth in different locations. And then he will, in this one, he's jumping back and forth through timelines. He's giving flashbacks and he's giving us um, the future at the same time. They run kind of parallel. Yep. And, and so this one, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, what did you guys think of basically Wolverine? He has reset Wolverine. He has wiped out all his time with the X-Men. So this is Wolverine at the beginning of Giant Size X-Men number one. Yeah. And, you know, Department H, uh, Mac be damned, uh, really just wanted him out there as a killing machine. They wanted him to be hair trigger. They wanted him to be vicious. And, um, you know, Xavier, what you wish for. Yeah, but Xavier gave him another option and, you know, to not necessarily be a weapon, but be more of a, I don't know, a, a calming thing. And he, he mellowed. He, in his time at the X-Men, he was learning a better way. He had setbacks, but uh, still he had come a long way since he left Alpha Flight. And you can sit there, you can see that kind of uh, change from the moment that he joins the X-Men in giant size X-Men number one, all the way to um, Burns departure. And one of the things I thought that I, I, of course, one of those things that really helped that was Jean and Phoenix and the death of Phoenix, you know, cause he fell in love with her. And it is Jack Nicholson said, you make me want to be a better man. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Logan was, was, unconsciously trying to do things. And of course, America is also a part of that as well. And, you know, he, so he's trying to sit there and become a better man. All that's been wiped away. And yeah, he, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, and I, I would love to know Burns response for the, I mean, why did he decided to, because a lot of the changes were due to him. They weren't like another writer took Wolverine and changed him. And he said, no, that didn't feel right. A lot well, of those changes, this mellowing, is due to his influence. Right, but the thing is, is that uh, Wolverine, after Burn, became super ninja, super spy, all this stuff. And you can tell Logan's motivations was never to be super spy. He prefers a tussle, a fight, rather than skulking around behind things and you know drinking vodka martinis. It, well, it, it, it wasn't his nature. And Claremont you know, took him down a different road, a road that Byrne wouldn't have gone. And Byrne feels a personal responsibility for Wolverine since he's responsible for saving him. Claremont wanted to kill him. Well, right. And he, and he did later morph into the, uh, due to his popularity in the book skyrocketing, it, mm-hmm. he became the uh, kind of the John Wick of this book. He was... He could I'm do anything. He was what uns- I do. Exactly. He was unstoppable. He was unkillable. He was, you know, the answer to everything. And I, th- I think it's funny because in, in the, the early pages, when you see him being recruited by James, and then it jumps nine months later, and he's before 
the PM, and I don't know if that's supposed to be Trudeau. It's drawn. It looks like yeah, it's Trudeau. Trudeau. Yeah, because um, he even talks about his father. Yeah. So, and they're saying basically, okay, now uh, and then one of the the uh, the generals or somebody jumps up and says, a colonel jumps up and says, no, no, we've been training this guy to be James Bond. You can't have him. But I would think that when Hudson came out there and recruited him and they came back to, uh, you know, back to the, the I guess, Toronto or wherever, the, where, where's the cap? What's the, is it um, Ottawa? Wherever the capital of Canada is. I, I apologize to the Arcadian listeners. I think you're right. I think it's Ottawa. <laughs> Ottawa? Not Montreal. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it says right there, Parliament Hill, Ottawa, the offices okay. of the Prime Ottawa. Minister. Yeah. When he brought him back nine months previous, when he'd say, okay, I'm a, I want Logan to be ahead of this team I'm putting together. But it seems like the government grabbed him, trained him to be a spy. And you think Hudson at that point would go, wait a minute, that's not what I wanted. I wanted him to be the face of Canada and be part of this alpha flight I'm putting together. Or at that point, maybe it's beta flight. So it just seems kind of, he seems, Hudson seems like he's taken aback, like, wait a minute. Why you take, you know, I, I want him. I've always told him I want him. Or the, the colonel seems surprised that he's being taken. So I thought that was a little, um, a little odd. Um, and some of the some of the dialogue in here that Byrne is doing, he's really trying to, he's doing that retcon thing where we know where this is leading, where we first see him in Giant Size X-Men number one. Mm-hmm. And then we saw him in the Hulk issues. That's all we ever saw of Wolverine. Right. So he's tr- really twisting himself with his writing to make sure everything fits in. You know, Wolverine mm-hmm. more than once says, okay, I'll do it, but only if I get to leave when I want to leave. Um, yeah. You know, and that kind of thing. So it's a shame we don't get to see any of his time. I mean, I don't think we have. Have we, have we seen any of his time with Alpha Flight or Beta Flight at that time when he was leading the team? No. no. So don't you think he would have picked up that same kind of being part of a family feeling with them that he did eventually with X-Men or you think it's strictly because he fell in love with Gene? He's the first, he's the leader. And so his way goes. So he's not going to be inclined to sit there and try to improve for anybody else. He's doing what he was meant to do. Yeah. Okay. So he's not, not inclined to change in that way. He gets to say which fights they do. He gets to join in on the fight as he wants to. You know, I mean, it's it's almost like a, a, a better option for him than the X Men. The only problem is, is that the Canadian government has got a side of it that wants to use him as more than just a fighter or leader of the team. But I mean, it's you know, it it's a tough road either way. Yeah, it's just interesting. You're right. If they wanted to use him as as an assassination tool, and that's not stuff, which I don't think that'd be a thing Wolverine would have a problem with. But yeah, um, shall shall we get into this? Because I got some things I, I wanted yeah. to point out that that are just you know kind of interesting. Now, first off, John Byrne definitely I mean, from the last issue and then this issue proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that no man will ever look good in a phoenix costume. <laughs> <laughs> And while Gene looks especially good in the Dark Phoenix outfit, no guy's ever going to look good in that. It's well, just not right. made for I, them. I, I wonder that, like, what if it, if the the you know, does the entity perceive uh, gender? Because it would would it make a 
uh, a male version of this. I mean, the really only thing you have to lose is the sash. And well, the, it, the high it, boots. The high boots and uh, is it high heels? I can't tell. Um, I'm sitting there trying to find any not. image of the feet itself. And um, Burns kind of life felted that, you know, he, uh, yeah. he's definitely, yeah, I mean, when, when you see Jean's mother in it, yep, she got high heels, but you never see if the, if the cop, when he was, was in it, you know, had the high heels going. Well, and true to form. And when it takes over the mother, the mother is more a little full figured, you know, she doesn't have, didn't change her body to be a, like an hourglass slinky kind of. 20 year old body it's the same body the mother had just with a costume and you know i guess it fixed her eyes because her glasses are gone too but what (laughs) i don't want to ask both you because we have burns been dealing with this phoenix over and over you know i thought he started pretty good when he kind of finished the the phoenix saga when we for in the early issues of elsewhere and then he kind of kept bringing it back and said, I thought, well, just let it let it lie low for a while. But he keeps bringing it back and bringing it back. And frankly, I'm really getting bored with it. I am. Well, and, 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 and I think that was a common common thread in uh, all the groups on Facebook when the new pages would come out and they go back to the Phoenix. I, I got this. Oh, man. More of the Phoenix. And I mean, I mean, the, the whole idea, of course, is, again, this is burn scratching an itch. It's him getting out what he wants to get out. But when he and Claremont were doing the X-Men and you looked at that, there's a, like a list of what they're planning up to issue 150 or even later. And, you know, given the idea that, that Gene lived, there was multiple stories in there where it was something about the Phoenix coming back and the Phoenix going to be the recurring villain or recurring foil for them. And he's just doing that because that's what was intended back then. And it's the, the, the itch he's got to get out. But no. it's not anything that really interests many of the readers. Many of the readers are just like, no, get back to Logan. Or, or you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, the Logan's okay. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to see some of his backstory, not that we really needed it, was was fine. Um, him resetting Logan was interesting. Uh, and I've got mm-hmm. some comments about that in the next issue we're going to cover. But uh, I am more interested in that, or even the, I mean, I'm more interested in the, the Kurt and Dr. Doom stuff um, that we've been, that's kind of been going through these last, these yeah. three or four issues of Kirk being chased by Doom bots. Okay. I, I got to say a question though about Savage Logan. When Mac and Heather there are there in the title page, what price yesterday, part three, you see Mac and Heather there and you see Savage Logan there with this incredibly large beard and uh, his hair's grown out and everything. It looks like Hugh Jackman did in the uh, beginning of the, the movie The Wolverine, the one where he actually goes to Japan and meets mm-hmm. Mariko. It looks like Hugh Jackman did there. And I'm just like, I know he doesn't look at that to, as his reference or anything. This is just his version of Logan. But there's nothing that underscores the fact that Hugh Jackman did have the perfect face for Logan, as most of us would like to have seen him. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Logan think, would, should be an uglier person. <laughs> well, if, if you said he based him on um, Robert Shaw, Robert Shaw is not a ugly guy. In fact, when no, he was it, younger, he was very handsome. No, Wolverine um, was based on another guy altogether, and I've got, I, I can find a picture of him to show you. Um, and he's not as pretty, definitely. Um, uh, 
uh, I'll have to find uh, it. But uh, yeah, I think Logan would yourself. be. The, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Jackman was probably perfect for it, other than the fact that he was six one or however high, how you know, because Logan is supposed to be about five one or five two. Um, but um, yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting to kind of it's. It's interesting to see these backstories at the same time not really needing him. I mean, I would have been fine if we never knew anything about Logan except little breadcrumbs that they would they'd used to sprinkle in before they went and gave us his definitive backstory. Okay, I'm going to share with you this image of this actor, Paul D'Amato. And um, you tell me what you think. Uh, oh, i got to get the picture up now, don't I? For those of you listening, you're not going to be able to see this picture. Um, I may post it on our Facebook page. Oh. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it. That, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah, he's got the he's got the mutton chops. He's got the brooding eyes. Heavy yeah, eyebrows. That guy would be. Yeah, got a I can absolutely look. see Logan in that guy's face. Yep. Yep. Anyway, enough of that, and I'll, I'll post that on the Facebook page uh, as one of the comments, so you guys can see what we're talking about. Well, Kirk, we've been kind of. Uh, going on and on. What did, what did you think of the issue? I liked the cop in the female body. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Rocky horror picture comment, notwithstanding, uh, you know, I I, I would I liked it, but I certainly felt like he was bringing us along to think that it was uh, Proteus uh, prior to this, rather than mm-hmm. Phoenix. So um, obviously, the, the way he's got this plotted out. The Phoenix Force wants back into Jean's body, and yes, it appears that she's burning out the uh, the mother's body. However, just as soon as she jumps to Jean, mm-hmm. we leave, and after an interlude with uh, you know Wolverine that you're talking about, we come back, and uh, how do I want to put this? Okay, <laughs> I, I take back what I was going to say. I did not think that the mother was mummified. In fact, she does have an argument with Gene saying, don't call me about that. And then as Scott and, and uh, Storm show up, it appears that, uh, that the Phoenix Force is back in Gene's body. She casts aside her mother, who seems just fine, shocked and on the ground, but she does not seem to be emaciated. And well, that's that... a little weird to me. Well, the, the cop isn't either. Yeah. He's not burned out either. He he looked perfectly normal. But so, they didn't yeah, like, establish that it was burning out the cop. Uh, he seemed okay. But as soon as it got into the mother, I don't know because of her, she was older or more frail. I don't know. But she was, um, and I think that was just put there as a, that's a motivation for Jean to take the Phoenix back because it sees that it's killing her mother. Yeah. Gives her urgency. Right. Yeah. That's her, her agency to, to do what she does. Uh, and then the rest of this that we don't kind of get into it, but she, um, she kisses Scott and I love the way he's drawn Scott's lips at that bottom panel where she's kind of giving him a kiss and he's like, what is going on? She's biting him. Yeah. It does look like she's biting him, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, guys, it looks like John has joined us. Hey, hey. Hello, hey. hello. Can I join this party, or is it closed? You are we so welcome to join for us. You. Oh, we, had, we had David for just a few minutes, and oh. he brought us in, but he had to go because he's got the kids. And he's afraid that they're going to scream and throw ketchup all over him or something. I don't know. <laughs> they might rip up his uh, X-Men Elsewinds. 
probably doing that right now. <laughs> we, we've kind of been jumping around because, you know, you've got the multiple storylines going on in here, and we're talking about the the, the Gene Phoenix storyline yeah, and just right. how um, it looked like it was kind of burning her mother out where it yeah. didn't seem to do that to the cop. And ultimately, you know, it, it you know, looks like Gene gives into it. And then we switch back to the Logan story. Yeah. Um, the one thing I wanted to point out in the, in the Logan story, and it was on page six, was that uh, there's one panel in there where it looks like Logan pops his claws while he's got his wrist bent. And it shouldn't do that. I noticed that, yeah. It, would, it should go right I, through I, I his wrist. That, it should, yeah, it should come right up. a lot in times past, too. I think I recall maybe reading a letter or something where someone had mentioned something like that. So it's just kind of a... I mean, I could, yeah, I could see him popping it and then looking, you know, turning his wrist and then, you know, having it show like that. But by having this snicked right then and there, it, it, it you know, makes you think, no, it should be coming out the palm. <laughs> yeah. And that would well, be, that would, yeah. And I, I think it would have been a, this is just nit, nitpicky, but when they first meet him and they're talking to each other, Heather and James are like, oh, we found him. And Wolverine over here, he just starts speaking. Oh, you found me. I think it would have been nicer if he, in maybe a panel or two, because if he hadn't spoken to anybody, I mean, he's been living out there on his own. He has not been speaking yeah. to anybody for maybe years and years to have him maybe struggle a second to kind of talk again because he has not have to com- to communicate. Yeah. But that's, that's not thinking. <clears throat> and he should never be able to bend his hand like that when his claws are extracted. But if that's probably, I mean, even if they're the bone ones, that should never <laughs> work mm-hmm. like that. But anyway. Yeah, uh, the Wolverine. Um, <clears throat> I, I really, I mean, the Phoenix story is burning me out too. So the switch over to the Wolverine story was more interesting, though he's not my favorite character. But I think the art is much better on the Wolverine and the N- Nightcrawler versions than the because uh, when you get to page eleven, it just seems like the his style just really. I don't know. Does, to me, it just seems like. It changes slightly, and it's uh, to me it's a little bit it's very dynamic. I really enjoyed uh, like page eleven, especially seeing the old Wolverine costume. <laughs> yeah, well, I you know I, I was sitting there thinking about this, and and I talked about it a little bit earlier about you know the Phoenix storyline being something that Byrne thinks that he needs to throw in there because that's what he and Claremont had initially planned to do. Uh, they had they had they had it planned out, but I, I don't think that I, I think like us, he is not as motivated in the storyline as he is in the other ones. In, in the the Logan storyline, this is something that's been germinating in his mind for years. You know, the, he had a, an origin for Logan all planned out and everything. Probably not the, exactly the same as what we're seeing here, but he had something and he wants to relay it. And so the pencils are tight. Uh, you look at those pages, and I mean, they really don't need to be inked to be published. You could see it like this, just take away the, the grid lines and you could uh, publish this, probably have Joe Rubenstein come behind and just, you know, do, do the couple of things that are needed and, and things like this to, to well, make it published. Yeah. You'd have to clean up his, uh, his guidelines. He's drawing yeah, his grid. Yeah. The, 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 the grid line, the perspective yeah. lines, but they're but not I, in every panel. But I think you've hit it on the head, John, I think, and well, between the both of you, I think he's not, he looks like he's just kind of going through the motions with the Phoenix stuff because he's 
he has to do something with his storyline. He's written it. He can't just abruptly end it. Mm-hmm. And he Why not? He erased Colossus's leg. <laughs> well, then let, let, let's do that then. Because, But I think you're right, Brian. He's more motivated in the Wolverine stuff. And that's more like playing in his old backyard than this new stuff that he's trying to... Because he doesn't seem to know where to go with it. I mean, Phoenix comes back. Yeah. She starts acting like a kid. Uh, and then it's later in the other episode issue we'll talk about. It's like, where is this going? And I just, I tune out and I don't want to get back to the Wolverine stuff or, uh, the Nightcrawler, the Nightcrawler stuff. Yeah. I love that. I want to see more of that, you know, and then, uh, there, and I can't tell if some of the, in, in the whole Sentinel thing too, with the, and it's, it's more in the next issue we'll cover, but you see, old Wolverine and some of Burns writing seems to be a, I can't tell if he's writing him the way he was back, uh, you know, in the late seventies, early eighties, or is he almost like he's making a comment on this is how characters used to be. It's some of the stuff he does and the way he acts. And oh, I can't like tell if that's storm a, on the back. Exactly. That yeah, one, that yeah. is, is that a comment on, Oh, this is how comic book characters used to be written. And it's bad. Or is it, no, this is really Wolverine. This is how he was back then. He's more gruff. He's, he's, he's crude. He's, uh, he's a, a braggart, you know, he's. Well, you remember, to... I mean, just, uh, in the first issue of Elswin, there was supposed to be, I mean, there was actually a, uh, a page where Wolverine was going to pat Kitty on the backside. He's going to yeah. give her a, a, a spanking. And when he showed the, the the pages to some friends, some women friends of his, they said, you know, that's really, really inappropriate. You probably shouldn't put that in something like that. And he changed it as a result. I think that was and, more due to, to Kitty's age. Than yeah, 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 definitely. Just, yeah, yeah. This is just more to show him as more of as an actual chauvinist. Um, and kind of, right. a, um, you know. But that was still a bit of misogyny. That was still, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, a, again, it was uh, a bit, I mean, almost a bit tamer than what he did here. I, I, actually, I, I don't know I could say that. No, it's not as tame. Not not any more tamer than, than what we see here. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> there's, I, I mean, I still have some questions um, in something in this issue, and i got to find it now because I got distracted. I love I love the retelling of uh, meeting Professor X on page uh, page twelve now here, and uh, just kind of how he revisited that with that guy. But I love it, like in the middle section there, all of a sudden one claw snicked, <laughs> and then but that guy uh, and that was great and stuff. Burn Burn used that guy to great effect in this because he's the one that's there before the the Prime Minister arguing that Logan should be you know their super spy not a superhero before Gary Cody comes in and, and, and I'll make one last comment and then I'll just take a take on John. I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but the other thing I liked is on page seven is the fact that he's cut Logan's hair really short. And obviously it's growing back pretty fast. But if you uh, remember back in the, um, the, the days, the issues before burn left, he showed some early shots of Wolverine, not just the the ones where they had him in the old costume like we see here, but also him talking to Mac and Heather where he is in his military outfit and he's talking about, you know, what they want of him. And it's you know, part of the reason why he left Canada. 
and he's got that short hair, but you can always see it like bursting at the seams to keep growing larger. And it always makes me wonder how quickly it does grow. Well, he must be cutting it himself because when they find him in the woods, if it grew that fast, he would it would be down to his to his ankles. Yeah, um, he'd so have he to must be cut cutting, it. He must be cutting it himself. I kind of like him <laughs> with the shorter haircut. Yeah, so do I. He's got a nice widow's peak, and but I I thought it was interesting when you were talking about the colonel that he the guy that gets his tie cut. Um, it's like just like Texas Roadhouse. Not Texas Roadhouse, uh, Trail Dust. Have you ever eaten a Trail Dust, Brian? There used to be a, used to be a steakhouse on the outskirts of Denton that was, if you came in, and it was a joke, if you came in with a tie, they would cut it off and staple it to the wall because they were like, you know, they weren't that kind of steakhouse. I don't know. So people would purposely that. wear a tie to get it cut off and put, and that, so the walls were <laughs> covered with just cut off ties. Um, anyway. The guy says, uh, the government has invested a great deal of time and money in you. I'm not about to stand here and watch one more Canadian resource go south of the border. You think that's like a comment on sports teams or something? I mean, what else is Canada losing to us? Shatner. <laughs> and Rush. <laughs> and Sling Dion. Yeah. I don't know. John, you got real it. quiet. I'm sorry I interrupted you. and You guys were talking, so I didn't want to. I, I, I stepped over. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> I yeah. will say that I love that uh, image at the bottom of page 12, Logan looking at Mac and just saying, right. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, and just real quick about the whole Phoenix thing. It, you, you mentioned that, like, oh, that's what they always want to do. Well, it's not special anymore. And now it's just like not Phoenix co-starring the x-men and so it just dragged it out and you're right he probably just didn't know what to do with it but felt obligated but it's like dude no mm -hmm. you didn't have to do that <laughs> just go on um but uh yeah moving on with the logan stuff this artwork is just infinitely better and uh love the retelling of that initial contact because uh that was uh really and, and it looks like because i don't I don't remember my giant size X-Men one, but it looks like it's a little bit more panels. Wasn't it like maybe just two or three in the X-Men one or giant size one? So I think he's, we're getting a little bit more here on this, which is cool. Yeah. And, and then he wakes up, Hey, <clears throat> and maybe starts the... uh, abusing Pablo. Uh... <laughs> well, <laughs> looking at that bottom panel on page 13, it's like, um, Maybe Wolverine's actually uh, the son of Joff because they have a very similar <laughs> facial structure, hair structure. Well, if we, if we discussed this in previous issues that the reason why this has happened was Wolverine got his brain cooked yeah. and had brain damage. So Shaman <laughs> conveniently says, oh, I've been backing up everybody's brains. So <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, let me pull out my hard drive and just – but he said it stopped. And I guess it must have stopped at the instant. If he doesn't remember Xavier, he must have stopped at the instant he decided to say yes and go with the X-Men. Because that's when, I guess, the spell breaks. He's no longer a part of Alpha Flight. So yeah. Shaman has been making him relive his life, which is what Byrne has been showing us. So he's caught up to right as he quit Alpha Flight. So he doesn't know any of the X-Men, doesn't know Pablo. That's why he kind of brushes him aside and... and kid is uh, a little upset about that and 
and, and I'm sure we mentioned this when we realized or the last time we talked about it, but um, it is kind of creepy that Shaman would be doing that. I mean, is he rewinding certain parts of people's lives for his own uh, viewing enjoyment? You know, yeah, that's <laughs> just yeah, weird. a little bit of invasion <clears throat> of privacy there. I mean, <laughs> um, convenient for the story, but yeah. Well, what we don't know is. And, and and when he, he makes that revelation, uh, Guardian and Heather don't seem to react to it. So maybe they sell-signed a form saying, oh, by the way, Shaman is going to be backing up your brains. Yeah, I don't <laughs> – I and I don't think that Shaman can look at the memories because, you know, he, he couldn't tell them anything about what was going on all right. the time that he was restoring yeah. them. Yeah, I was just kidding. And I can <laughs> tell you, when but you still. are doing a, a backup tape drive restore – you have no idea how far along it is while it's going on. It it it, it gives you very little information when you're doing that, and that's right. off. Of, wasn't that little green line that says you know 45 percent complete going on? I mean, come on, Shellman, get with is, the times no, here. It's like the last two minutes of a football game. You just don't know how long it's going to take. Well, because it, it can those... say 95 percent, but it <laughs> yeah. still takes three hours to it do gets, that 95. Yeah, it gets the 99 percent and stops. So yeah. I guess Shellman is the is the team's. Shaman and IT specialist. Um, but. Yeah, he's the he's the the magical foil, and that, that's one thing that that that's why Burns stayed away from Doctor Strange, because you can make him do anything you want, any plot device you need. But well, uh, true, but but you yeah. have to admit that is an awful convenience for him to just go. Oh, by the way, I've got these backups. Um, I mean, how long do you hold on to those for? He purges them because yeah. he's hold on to them forever. So. Um, the uh, I don't know what page it is because it's gone it's gone on to the second piece, but the the page where Logan pushes Pablo away, you notice how the page is made darker. He's 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 like darkened the whole page down at the bottom. What? Yeah, and I don't know what what's I don't know if that's the scan or I think what? it's a I, I think it's a choice. I think it I think was a to choice make, to make his eyes it, pop. It starts basically, you can tell there's some shading on the top right panel where Pablo says Logan. And it just, to the right of the panel, you can see that there's a little bit of shading. And as you go further down, it gets darker and darker. And it goes diagonal across the page as the panels show, because you see Logan throwing him down with that little sound blurb that says Spock. And then... It's possible. You know, he... it's happened on a few of the other pages as well. I'm just wondering if it's just not the pencil getting onto his hand while he's drawing and smudging over, but it could be a conscious choice as then, well. I don't know. Then he's left-handed now because it happened on the bottom left portion. Well, I think that, it, no, it I looks think like it's the bottom purposeful. right portion to me on all of them. But yeah, but I think I think it's all purposeful. Okay. I really I really think this is this is Burn right. doing that to show well, the darkness coming across. It could be. You know, that, no, be, that, that would be a good question in the forum if he's if he's still responding to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go here. To... Because it's on several pages. So I and, and in varying degrees. So if it's a conscious choice, you know, but I mean, that would be interesting. <clears throat> OK, continuing on. <laughs> yeah. Then we get back to Sentinel. Does this guy have a number? Do we Is know? 105. 105. 105, yeah. Well, that's the charging station. Is that? Uh, do they have their own unique charging stations? Yeah, I don't. I guess. 
And I, I like that. I like that he has a Euro plug on there. Or, you know, <laughs> I think that's got to be a little stronger than that. That looks like. A... Well, the, the the interesting part is that any one of those is retractable, so you can make that grounded or not grounded. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's funny. That's cool. And then, of course, I mean, that's a great page in and of itself, and you don't have to have any words at all. Mm-hmm. You know, Claremont would fill up every one of the panels with text about this particular, you know, Sentinel's history and where, you know, one of the bolts came from or, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. But Burn just leaves it all there and the only sound you get is click, click, click. These are the nice types of pages that I like that set the seed for another story rather than doing three stories in one page. You know, it's like, oh, here, yeah. I'm just going to uh, interlude to this and then we'll get back to the action of the one story for the issue. And then we'll revisit this later because it will come up like two issues later. So um, it's just uh, I'm, I'm sad that we're not going to find out what the end result of this was going to be, because uh, is this going to be Robbie the robot or is it going to be, <laughs> you know, the modern uh, robots that are like your friend. Then suddenly they snap and start he's, killing everything. But it's going to be um, the first X, uh, Sentinel X-Men. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I mean, you, and, and I was sitting there thinking about this and I was just like, well, what if, you know, Ashley is able to control all of them and makes them like the X-Men's, you know, they're, they're, they're helpers and everything there. Um, and, you know, of course, obviously it's like X-Factor. When X-Factor first came out as a book, you know, where the X-Men were like the Ghostbusters, you know, they, they would sit there and say, we're here to, we're humans here to, you know, stop the yeah. mutants for you. We're going to capture them for you when they're really trying to, you know, find them and help them. And, you know, it's like, you get the the sentinels in the mix and there's a a, a um a conflict of uh you know interest there you know the x-men using the sentinels to help them kind of uh you know sketchy but uh, again that was just you know my mind center taking along the, the last thing i wanted to say about it is on that that same page where you see the sentinel getting up doesn't it for some reason make you think of um the original star wars clone wars the ones that were cartoon animated rather than cg animated that was a tartaroff that did those there's something about yeah, it that just makes me think of that yeah like those little short five minute yeah episodes well it's kind of curious that they could have i mean it doesn't it wouldn't put any past me that would sounds like something that modern comics would do that they take you know they love to look what they did with magneto they love to take the bad guy and or a bad guy and kind of rehabilitate him so maybe this is going to mm-hmm. be the that something to do with what maybe Ashley did to this thing create a spark of independent thought. So maybe it is more sentient and it would be like their Jarvis. Maybe it would just help them out, you know, clean up and do things for them. And, or um, Hugh Borg. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly like that. Um, I will say I do like when we cut to uh, back to Nightcrawler being chased by the Doombots. Uh it is nice to see uh, Burned writing Doom again because I love the way he mm-hmm. writes his dialogue and he really had an understanding of who Doom was. Um, Somebody comes in here and he basically obliterates his butler because the butler says, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we can't caught him yet. And he's like, well, He was more elusive than you told us. Yeah. He's like, Are you trying to put some of your, yeah. transfer your responsibility <laughs> for failure to me? And the guy immediately knows what's going to happen. And then we just see him laid out on the floor. And that's that's Doom. I mean, Doom doesn't play around. 
I got a problem with that first page of of Nightcrawler running away from the, those bots. He makes a comment. I have never seen robots like this. These robots look like Sentinels, except they don't have the the Sentinels don't have that that pencil erased on the top of the head. Yeah, they look just like Sentinels, and they act just like Sentinels. How can he say he's never seen robots like this? Well, he should. Yeah, the dialogue should probably be. These look yeah. like Sentinels, but there's something different. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would expect that. I mean, that's one of those Brian, things that was obvious in the books. Go ahead. But Brian, how many times have you read a character say, "I've never seen someone move so fast"? <laughs> yeah, how can something so big move so fast? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> and yeah. they've had like battles with the Hulk and Sasquatch and whatever. It's just like, uh, it's just well, one of those things. <laughs> best example of that: Alpha Flight Number One, Tundra. And I think it was Sasquatch that made the comment, how can something so big move so fast? So you could say the same of you. Well, it's just, it's no different than on Star Trek where they will make the, the comment of, well, things just don't disappear, says the people that beam out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. And twice as big. Oh, sorry, that's lost in space. <laughs> but yes, doom is doom. And then we go back to Logan. Well, well, well this, this, it's the next issue. I'll bring it up. But there's a thing with Kirk and Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. where Kirk doesn't Kirk. seem to recognize, doesn't seem to know, or Night, no, Doom doesn't seem to know who Nightcrawler is. And I was trying to think if they had had any X Men had any uh, run-ins no, not with Doctor Doom. Not the new X Men. Not till then was it? But, the but all, all new, all different X Men. But did they have it with? They did. Although with Claremont on it to be a robot, right? But, but that is later than this. Oh, was and, that, oh yeah, that would and, be. A, and that doesn't have ever happen according you know with, within Burns yeah, continuity. That's the thing. Also. That's the that's the that's that that will right. never happen. That's right. Um, then we're back to Wolverine and Pablo, and and since we're talking about characters that are, that we don't have any resolution to, Pablo has been just the 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 emptiest thing there is. There there we never get any kind of feeling of what his power set is, who he is, what's going on with him. And I assume I haven't read the the last two issues. So I assume he does not resolve that. No, but I mean, Pablo is basically supposed to be, you know, like shaman. He's the, he's the plot device that would yeah, allow them to exactly fix what he is. He's a plot device. Yeah. To, to fix, you know, problems that they can't get out of um, accidentally. I mean, Franklin Richards was that a bit in the fantastic four. True. Nobody knew what to do with Franklin Richards. They still don't know what to do with Franklin Richards. Um, yeah. Now, what do you think about Logan going back to the um, the second costume? I say the second costume because we know the first costume had the shorter things on his on his mask and had the, had whiskers. the whiskers. I love so the whiskers. So. so this is the blue and yellow costume, I assume. Right. Not the brown and brown. Right. Um. Funko Pop finally put out a brown Wolverine costume one. It's not perfect burn design, but it's out there now. But I think they got the yellow one out there. That's an obvious build up to a reveal. Yeah. And yeah. He, I mean, it truly is resetting Wolverine. He is. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, you know, Charles wants to restore the rest of his memories. And Wolverine's like, yeah, let me get back to you on that. Chat. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me get out there. Well, okay. When Byrne was doing this issue, did he know he was going to end it? Because he's kind of starting up something no, that he's that obviously is, not going to finish. It looks like he's written and drawn a lot of more pages and stuff. But what he came to the conclusion was that he no longer had the drive 
the inspiration to continue on. Every one of his stories had every one of the stories that he was interested in, he pretty much finished. And now he was just starting to go into new area and he was trying to find inspiration. And he was even thinking about maybe stepping aside from X-Men and doing that, you know, JSA invaders or, uh, you know, something else. But he just, he realized that he'd scratched the itch and there was nothing over there. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out a good way of, of how to put it. Like when, when, when I play poker, I think I talked about this in coffee and comics. When I play poker with my friends and each hand that I get, obviously the cards are different every time. And you're sitting there trying to think, okay, how do I want to approach this? How do I want to structure my bets? How do I want to come in? When Byrne gets to that next page and he's about to come up with the first image, he's like, what angle am I going to come at this from? I want to do something that you haven't seen before. Well, he has been drawing for 50 years and he's drawn everything from every angle. So he's like, I could do it this way. I could do it that way. I could do it this way. I could, you know. And he's got no inspiration to sit there and just put it down. So he just doesn't have the, but the, I, where, the interest to do it anymore. I wonder if it's more, because he said uh, at cons and such that he thinks of himself as a writer who draws. Mm-hmm. So if he thinks of himself as a storyteller first and an artist second, then you know maybe to your point, Brian, he's run out of, story it's not how do i draw this it's what what's the story i want to tell and he doesn't want to tell it anymore or it's not inspiring him anymore so he he has nothing to put down he could draw pretty pictures but there's nothing behind it it's just kind of empty so he's right out of his inspiration i think it's a disservice to just sit there and pigeonhole him into one or the other writer or artist he's a storyteller yeah and that's where the problem lies because he, like you say, just doesn't have any more story to tell. And the 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 the, the two feed each other. As he's sitting there and he's getting inspired to do art, and he's going, "Wow, this is a really cool image." But how do I get here? So he's got the A and he's got the B, but it's the A and a half. How do I get from A to B? That is the biggest problem. And and normally he's just so inspired to just create and you get the art on the pages, just like we see here. But he just ran out of that. He, he just didn't. He's like, nah, I've done it. I've done it all. Now, he's not done completely. There's stuff that's going on in the background he's not telling us about. He did that. He did. He closed out the, the last week of Funky Winkerbean. When, uh, when they closed out the strip the last week of December. So if you want to see original Bernard, find the last five strips of Funky Winker Bean because John Byrne did the, uh, the artwork, or at least the inking on it. What's um, the story behind that? Is he a fan? Does he know that artist or what? Yeah, well, I, I, the thing is, is that uh, uh, the guy that does Funky Winker Bean was a fan of Byrne, and they'd connected over the years. And uh, there was a period of time there where Byrne actually ghosted uh, he did the the strip for for the guy while the guy was on sabbatical or vacation or whatever. Hmm. So there's a, a number of of, of of strips of Funky Winkerbean that were actually done by John Byrne. It well, he, caused a little stir amongst fans. But, yeah, but he know. likes that style. He, we've seen him draw that more of a comic, mm-hmm. comic comic strip style art. He can do it, and he, I think he yeah. likes to do it. So. But there were some purists in there that just weren't a fan of, of what Berm was doing, you know. But, you know, it is it, it is what it is. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. nobody wants change. <laughs> that's why we want Berm to draw X-Men. <laughs> well, and that's what but, you're getting. 
Yeah, but there's still, I think, some other stuff going on. Maybe some Star Trek. I don't know if it was going to be Fometti or, or or what. You know, I want I, I, I to do some more Star Trek. Yeah, but you know, we we just got to wait and see. You know what what he's doing because I, I mean, there's something that's obviously filling up his days. Um, because he is all he's not on his website as much as he had been. Now, part of that could just be that he's got nothing else to share. He's probably just uh, binging Netflix and drinking Mai Tais yeah. and let the yeah. man do it. <laughs> he's just, well, he's probably doodling. He's he's probably collecting. He does, I'm sure, he does computer art. He's there's probably lots of things that we don't know about that he he does. You know, maybe he's going to the movies all well, the time. He, he's also building up his Lego stuff. Yeah, he's working on. Um, I think it was the Cantina, Moss Eisley Cantina lately. Oh, I didn't know he was into Legos. Oh, he is a huge Lego. If you go onto Burn Robotics and you do a search of Lego, you will find hundreds of different things that he has done over the years. I mean, I believe he's done the Death Star. Um, you know, and, and he's very good about critiquing how they put together the kits because there's the, the, the parts where they create the brand new pieces that can only be used for whatever, you know, they're you know, he's building. And then they're the ones where they reuse certain types of parts and you know recycle them, so it doesn't necessarily fit the the, the aesthetic as well. And so he, he definitely is critical of that. He did uh, did a lot of the the friends based um, sets that Lego put out. They did a, a Central Perk, and they yeah. also did Monica and Chandler. Yeah, the apartments. Yeah. Yeah. It was both apartments actually. So right, they did yeah, both. yeah, those yeah. are the those are the. Um... Oh, I can't, I can't remember what they call them, but it used to be if, if if somebody would build something, they would they would vote on it, and if they got enough votes, they would produce. That's how we got the DeLorean. That's how we got the TARDIS. We got mm -hmm. um, the cool. Seinfeld, the Seinfeld apartment. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so as far as this particular issue, issue 29 goes, um, sounds like Logan story, yay, Phoenix story, nay. Am I right? Yes. For me, that's, yes. That's me, yeah. And Nightcrawler Doom stories double yay. <laughs> we we need we, we wanted more of that and we got we got a little bit of just not yeah. you know. But this is pretty much the end of the Logan origin story. And so now it's all new territory. And you know, I'm I'm actually surprised with with how much I actually enjoyed the Logan story. Because um, you know, he's not my favorite character. And it's maybe because of he's been blown out of proportion in the last forty, thirty-five years. And I liked it when he wasn't the Batman of the Marvel Universe where he was just <laughs> yeah. one of the characters. I, I, and he, I find that he was more interesting under Burning Claremont than, uh, than, than after they all left. So this was really interesting. I really liked the, the direction. And, uh, and a lot of times I'm like, <clears throat> I really like that we didn't know anything about Logan's past. It was always that mystery. Uh, but I don't mind that this was expanded it just a little bit. So it was it was it was a good story. Is there a TV or something on around yeah, you, John? Somebody's got a. Or is that? Whenever you're talking, we're oh. hearing someone else talking. Oh, we lost oh, he's, John. He's muted now. He's muted muted himself. Yeah. The, Figuring it out. Sorry. Uh, what a comment on what John said. I, point. I like I like the uh, the Wolverine story. My only big gripe with it was his time with the invaders when he was with them for five minutes i thought yeah. that was a little 
little ham-handed, but other than that, um, well, I think that was that was at the time when Burm was considering doing that JSA Invader storyline, mm-hmm. and he wanted to include Logan in it. Yeah, but see, he doesn't have to be. It's like not everything has to be kind of connected. You don't have yeah. to have. I mean, uh, uh, I know in the day they established it, he had met before he was Wolverine. He had met Captain America, and I don't have a problem with that. That's just mm-hmm. the meeting and passing. And that just established that Wolverine is very old. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't agree with John. I, I, I was interested in the Kirk stuff. I'm interested in the Wolverine stuff. And now I'm kind of glad where he's been reset and we can move, kind of move forward. But the Phoenix stuff is just, I'm tuning out. I'm like, it's, in, it's just background noise to me now. Kirk, what did you, just, uh, you've been quiet. What, is, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, um, because I have revisited these pages so rarely, um, I, I don't see it as a reset. I accept what you say that it is and where, why and where he's doing that. But I would wish that this story would have moved faster. I still don't understand what Pablo is. I don't understand what powers he's got. I wish that he, he, you know, he'd do something with that or establish what the relationship between Wolverine uh, Pablo is going to be. Sorry, I had to go in there. Um, I I have a hard time remembering going back and forth between issues, how far the story has developed into each one. So, um, you know, yeah, one, one of the things that Byrne ran into in doing this is he he had trouble um, giving them those day in life kind of moments that we liked seeing in the X-Men books where they would actually have those issues where really not a whole lot happened. You just got to see little vignettes of this and that and all that. But with this rotating storylines that he's got going on, he's got to keep it all moving so much that the X-Men are going just from one crisis to another crisis to another crisis. And so you don't get that moment to breathe where you would have something like Professor Xavier explaining Pablo's powers. Or just spending an episode, uh, devoted to to pablo yeah i i want to kind of get the x-men back to on a mission it seems to me that they are now just fighting this is more internal dealing Mm -hmm. with internal problems let's have them go out and fight a bad guy Um, and not not maybe we'll get that with doom yet yeah 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 hey there's john everything okay yeah i'm here okay we're just wondering about that background sound. I, I couldn't tell if it was an episode of Quincy or what. Um, okay. All right. I'm sorry Are about we, that. No worries. Are we... Uh, move on. Move on to issue yeah. number 30. Child of Light and Darkness. I don't know what much we can say different. It's the same story, basically. But, yeah. All right. Sorry, I had to get my uh, my issue up. We're moving on. X-Men Elseman number 30, Child of Light and Darkness. And as Byrne puts a note, he says, Yes, it's been used before, but a good title is a good title. A writer, artist, cover artist, editor, everything is John Byrne again. Our synopsis goes, We open in White Plains, New York, as Jean Grey gives Scott Summers an enthusiastic kiss to the surprise of those who witness. Jean is puzzled when Scott pulls back. Doesn't he think she's pretty? Her parents think she sounds like she did when she had the mind of a child like before. See issue one. Jean changes her dark 
uh, Dark Phoenix costume to her original green version. Scott wants answers. He wants to know how she became possessed by the Phoenix Force again. She whisks him off his feet and flies for home. Storm follows. Storm, Storm follows the couples through the air and realizes Jean is heading for her parents' house in Annadale, but the house has been destroyed. Cut to the Latvian Embassy, New York. Doc Doom scans video from his Doombots pursuing Nightcrawler. The Agile Mutant manages to keep one step ahead of the robots by teleporting across the city where the machines are closing in. Cut to the X-Men HQ as Wolverine trains in the abandoned Sentinel staging area. His current teammates are shocked by his ruthlessness. It seems his killer instincts have returned with most of his memories. Guardian remarks Logan seems ready for duty, to return to duty with the X-Men, but Logan is surprised Hudson is not there to take him back to Canada. The former home are the Graves. Jean and Scott land to see a vacant lot and a sign for sale. A distraught Jean uses her powers to rebuild the house. She is overjoyed to have her house back with no parents around. She invites Scott up to her room with a telekinetic help and throws him on the bed. They're going to live happily ever after. Aurora is worried she is changing. Back at X-Men HQ, James and Heather Hudson say their goodbyes to Logan as they head back to Canada. Wolverine is anxious to fill in the gaps in his memory. Kitty volunteers to be his guide and Xavier agrees while he looks into a more efficient way to restore his memories. The professor receives a disturbing call from John Gray. 37 minutes later, Kitty, Wolverine, and Colossus land in Anadale. Logan gets a, gets a little fresh Aurora and she sets him straight with a blast of wind. His reaction is a little hostile, but Jean tele telekinetically holds him in place. Jean doesn't like the Canadian's fresh talk or her salty language. Scott realizes Logan has reverted to his pre-X-Men days. Jean invites everyone inside. Colossus and Scott notice a strange odor, like ozone. Kitty faces through a door to find nothing. Scott explains there are several rooms that are literal voids. Rooms Jean did not care about. Jean invites everyone to sit down for a tea party. The X-Men play along, but Scott wants to know where the real Jean is. But she says she is the real Jean. Back at X-Men HQ, Xavier and Joff are scanning with Cerebro. Professor does not understand why the appearance of Phoenix is not registered as a new mutant. Cut to suburban Indiana, the home of Terry and Ashley Martin. Ashley's preparing to join the, her fellow mutants and start her X-Men training, despite her mother's tears. She hears a transport approaching, but when she opens the door, we see a sentinel, back in Manhattan. Kurt Wagner continues to elude the Doombots, saving innocent bystanders along the way. Suddenly the robots pull back, and Dr. Doom appears before the mutant. Doom tells Kurt he is not his prisoner, but Wagner tries to teleport away. But he can't. Magneto is preventing it. He subdues the young, the young man, and he and Doom take the blue-skinned mutant and fly away. Ten blocks away at the Baxter building, the Doom alarm goes off. Reed Richards does not pin, can't pinpoint Doom's location, but his shields, uh, but his shields make it difficult. Ben wants to go on a sky bike and look, but Reed cautions him. Susan asks about Johnny. He's out there by himself. Johnny is flying over New York when he spots Doom and Magneto with Nightcrawler. He blasts the arms from the robot holding dirt, and he rescues the mutant. Doom spots the torch and stuns him with a concussion beam. Falling to his death, Johnny is rescued by Ben on his sky bike. Kirk manages to teleport to a nearby building. He goes for help in a cloud of smoke and stink of brimstone. To be continued. That no. Was a, lot. <laughs> a lot going on in this one. A lot and nothing at the same time. <laughs> yep. All right. What did um, What did you guys think of uh, uh, Teen wanting to play house with Scott? <laughs> um, Creepy again. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Disturbing. 
it uh yeah just ugh. yeah it's it makes me think of um there was a a movie that came out years ago where this young boy has a passionate kiss with like a 40 year old woman and nobody thought anything about it back in the day and just like you know this this came out in the 70s i don't know how people would feel 70s or 80s but you watch it today you just get that uncomfortable feeling like chris hansen's about to walk into your room you know well, it's the um, same with Big, where the yeah. oh, Tom yeah. Hanks is an adult, is really a twelve or eleven, sleeps with an uh, an old, you know, an, an adult woman. So, but I'm wondering if <clears throat> if Kirk, you were right, maybe it would be kind of cool if this was Proteus, if this was some kind of remnant of Proteus acting as Gene. Maybe he he grabs some of Gene's memories or something and has a vague idea of, of who she is and is trying to imitate the phoenix instead of this actually being the phoenix that thinks it's teen gene <laughs> yeah but but what would the motivation be for that because i, I mean proteus would be looking for the most powerful being possible to i mean if he was going to say there and, and do anything he'd have to go for for a gladiator who's not not around maybe Jop, but Jop is not an organic being I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but it, it, at least it would be a twist compared to just sure. to Phoenix coming back. And uh, I just don't see where this is going to go unless they're trying. He's trying to somehow make G, uh, Phoenix a part of the team. Maybe she's going to be. Benevolent. Oh no! The, I think we were leading towards a, a massive temper tantrum. Well, yeah, um, it seemed like they're on the verge of it. They're all going to get wished in the cornfield if they're not careful. But right. Yeah. Well, does yeah. anybody else find this uh, this this um, sitting down for dinner scene to be vaguely reminiscent of the conclusion of the uh, Avengers Dissembled, with the Scarlet Witch having conjured up all of her family eating uh, or gather around her? You know what I'm referring to? No, I haven't. I haven't read that. You haven't read Avengers Dissembled? No. I've oh read it, but it's been it's been years. But that's that's a that's a good connection, Kirk. I can see how that could be the same. The same when did that, um, when did that come out? My, it's fresh in my mind because Back to the Bins is uh, or Avengers Spotlight in Back to the Bins has just recently covered that arc. Yeah, and I'm talking about X Men number. I'm sorry, Avengers number five hundred three. Um, it's not drawn by Byrne, but for those yeah. that that want to check it out, go take a look at it. It'll spoil. It's the ending. It'll spoil the the uh, Avengers dissembled for you. Sorry. Go ahead. You know, um, when I was reading this issue, the second page made me pull out um, the first all new, all different X Men I ever read, which was issue one thirty two. Because the bottom panel on both those um, issues, the second page has Cyclops being whisked away by a character. In the in 132, it's Angel carrying Cyclops away, just like mm-hmm. the way Jean is taking him away in this one. But it, it definitely underscores the difference in the way Byrne is doing his art 40 years later. Because back then, he made the characters much smaller, and in a different, he pulled the camera back further, is what he was doing. Whereas here, he's got the camera close in, on on Gene and Scott, and um, you know you you see good definition in the background, which you also get in the in that one, which is what Colorado, New Mexico, whatever, where where Angel's area was. But uh, 
it definitely shows the difference in the way Byrne did things. But he used the same pose for uh, both of them, which is interesting. So that's a good, good, uh, good comparison I and just, contrast. Yeah, I just realized in that well, the second page, the page across from that, when all the X Men are watching her parents and it's Aurora, the cop is up. I thought in the last issue, she killed the cop because he. She blasted him. Yeah, I thought she killed him, but I guess she didn't. She just stunned him. Um, And she seems to be almost, because the parents think she sounds like she did when she was five years old, but she sounds older than that or she's progressing. Because when she gets to the house and rebuilds it, she's all excited. Her parents aren't there, and she's like, and she makes a comment that my parents never let you in my room. Well, obviously, she never dated Scott when she was a, a teen living at home. So it's almost like this is a perfect. If this is Jean, G, uh, Phoenix is either is overriding her and and, and is absolutely imp, uh, imp, over. It's in putting its feelings on top of hers, or this is a duplicate. If that's the case, where is the other Jean? You know, is her consciousness stuck somewhere else? I think there's an inner struggle. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. It's it's yeah. They are in there fighting, and so the the Phoenix is. Either taking because it copied Jean. This Jean never was possessed by Phoenix. It copied her, so it had access to her memories because it mimicked her. And it's it's like it's coming back, and it doesn't have because this is not the same Phoenix. It doesn't sound like the same Phoenix that they fought several issues ago when they thought they had resolved all this and she had faded away and thought the Phoenix Force was dead. So this is like I don't know if it's the same one, and it's now. More has a more of a childlike mind. Maybe I, I don't know. I, again, I don't know where Burns going with this. Hmm. Now, if you go back to, I guess it's page three, and you were talking about the cop, and in the middle panel at the top, the cop sitting there talking about Anna Dale on the Hudson, but that's miles away, out of my jurisdiction. And Storm comes back, well, do not concern yourself with that officer. This is playing on a much larger scale than cities and states. I mean, it's like saying, yeah, this doesn't concern you. Don't worry about it. He just been possessed for who knows how long. <laughs> I mean, he's been, you know, attacked in such a way that, that people just are definitely not accustomed to. And she's going to tell him just, ah, never mind, go home and have a beer. You know, it, it basically, that, yeah, butt out. She's dumb to yeah. butt out. Would you? Uh-uh. And it wouldn't matter if it's out of his jurisdiction. This is something, I mean, hey, they're crossing state lines. <laughs> I do uh I love this shot that he's got of Doom looking down at the uh his little four his little table. He's got all the, the I'm assuming those are the, the cameras on the Doom bots that are uh, following Nightcrawler. That's a great I love to see that ink. That's a nice um That that second panel though, the one of just Doom's face, it more looks like Santa Doom than it looks like yeah. Doom yeah. to me. I mean it's a, a little, caricature almost. Yeah, and it's because of the way the 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 brow part seems right. to go outside of the cloak. Yeah. And then in that same panel with Nightcrawler arching his back, trying to run, that's a little... I know he's flexible, but that just doesn't look natural. More flexible than a person, and people do that all the time. They scorpion yeah. themselves. Yeah, it just doesn't look... Um, well, if McFarlane great. did it, everybody loved it. But his right arm does <laughs> look a little bit more extended. No, I wouldn't. No, if McFarlane was doing it, I wouldn't love it either. Yeah, but, but look look his right arm. Look at how long he's made yeah. that right arm there. Yeah, it's, really it's, a, it's a little – yeah, his feet are a little uh, unfinished too. 
but the the scenes of him the 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 four shots of from the bots of him running around is, is nice because there's a lot of detail on those little panels of the street streets below Nightcrawler mm-hmm. um, and Doom looking down on it. But um, but once again, the the bots do things that we see Sentinels do all the time. The way that they fly out of the sky, you know, the the four of them doing that like parallel motion and the way they're landing over there. And not once does he say, "Gosh, these are just like Sentinels, except smaller." Well, exactly, and and that same where the the shot of Dim's face where you said he looks like a character, he says the yeah, he says the creature is vital element. No, words. the creature is a vital element of my plan. It must be taken. And then it mm-hmm. says deactivating all safety protocols. Well, that tells <laughs> yeah. me they're going to kill him. <laughs> well, he doesn't need him alive. Well, I, I, well, if he wants him to, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't need him alive. I, I know this is the subplot for anybody who hasn't listened to other episodes. It's Doing with the Magneto from the alternate timeline, used Ma- Nightcrawler to jump dimensions, and now mm-hmm. I think Doom thinks he can do the same thing with this Nightcrawler. That's why he's kind of teamed up with Magneto. Yeah. Now that next page where you see Logan tearing through all that stuff in the Sentinels warehouse, does that look a little Art Adamsy to you? If it'd been inked, I don't think it would have that appearance to it. But I think just the penciled version it seems to remind me a bit of Art Adams. Yeah. A little bit, maybe. But I don't wonder if he's actually practicing anything, or is he just tearing up equipment? I guess he's just trashing stuff. He's not actually. There's no um, programmed kind of danger room type scenario. He's just destroying stuff. Well, they call it a sentinel staging area. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've sentinels practice. I don't know. But yeah, and it's probably just got all sorts of stuff you can tear into. But I don't think you can make anything that's going to fight back. True. Yeah, it's just, but it's a workout. Yep. And this is where Wolverine finds out he's not being taken back to Canada. He thought um, Guardian was there to take him back, but he's like, no, no, you can stay here. Yeah, but that little cliffhanger kind of thing, you know, obviously you're fine to resume activities with Xavier's X-Men. Wait a minute, Logan says, and you're expecting, you know, and and you're expecting him on the next time you see him to sit there and say, I'm not necessarily going to be an X-Men. I'm a free agent or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, you you never hear him say that to to Xavier, when he joins Xavier, he never says, okay, but under condition, I get to leave whenever I want. Well, can't anybody leave whenever they want? Yeah, yeah, they can. It's not like I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, now as far as okay, the last thing I want to say about that, the last image of Logan, it reminds me of the McFarlane images of, of those characters uh, from the 80s, like the X-Men fighting the Hulk, and it doesn't look like Burns' normal Logan image. Like there's something a little puffier about it. I don't know. Huh, it's... And but and then the very next panel, there is a realty sign for Matt Mart Realty, and it gives a phone number there four one five 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 twenty twenty. Now it used to be that five 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 exchanges um, were not used for phone numbers, and they were always used on radio and TV as a fake number. Like if you wanted character on the show or, or TV or whatever to right. sit there and say what a phone number is. It would be 555, you know, whatever. Unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. So uh, Deborah K. Stevens in San Francisco, California, we're very sorry if John Byrne got a lot of people calling you. That's an actual number? Uh, I Googled it, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought the 2020 might have been when he drew the, the images. No, that would have been right. That's too long ago. Yeah, no, he, yeah. No, I think he just made one a number up on the spot. He did the five 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 thing, thinking that was going to be it. And nope. Huh? Uh, yeah. 
Nope, some some lady in San Francisco, California. And she's 69 years old. Oh, my God, I can't believe how much data I'm able to find just wow. looking doing a Google search. That's Stock horrible. Much, Brian? Um, <laughs> See, no, back I mean... in the day, fans that didn't have Google before the Internet, we just would have picked up the phone and dialed it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I was hoping it would lead to something, you know, another Easter egg or something. But uh, I don't know. Maybe she ticked him off and he's just sending stuff, <laughs> sending all this maybe kind it, of thing to her. I don't know. Maybe it's a friend of his. Could be. Well, maybe but... it's Claremont's phone number. <laughs> well, I could see that being, I could see that, that being, it could be a problem, but. That's the word I'm uh, looking for. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Then we, uh, then we more, go yeah, yeah. more of the uh, Phoenix plays house and it's the, the witch the, house. Yeah. It, yeah. You can tell in the living room, even though they got a flat screen TV in there, that's the, the living room of the Stevens, Darren Stevens and Samantha from bewitched. Um, it just is. the, I didn't the, think the about that. yeah, well, we, we talked about that before in, in other issues. I think when in the dark Phoenix saga, Probably. Uh, we talked about that because that he he did say that he used that as the model the, uh, reference, yeah, as a model for uh, their house. And like in X Men Hidden Years, they actually used Monica and Rachel's apartment for a friend of uh, Iceman's. So you know, Byrne likes to throw those old things in there from TV from time to time. Yeah. Well, now I wonder because in that middle panel, Aurora says her tone, her attitude, everything about her is changing. As if she is, and then it cuts, and then she throws. Then Jean throws Scott in the bed, um, and says, "This is forever, Scotty. We, you and me, are gonna live happily ever after." I wonder if it's like, uh, you know, in the Avengers uh, issue where she they introduce Ultron, and in like three panels, the robot goes from calling Pym Dada to Father, like he's she's you know the robot is is uh, aging, you know super fast it's almost like that she started out she's act she's kind of aging as she she goes along first starting out as a kid now she's more of a teenager then she kind of becomes more of a younger woman when um when um was it which issue of um when that was issue but which episode of star trek the original series had Stephen cochran it was at the the um, metamorphosis metamorphosis yeah yeah, that that's kind of the the vibe I'm getting in this. Yeah, yeah, I can see that 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 these two are merged and that you know like she's in love. If this is the Phoenix entity, it's in love with Scott, but doesn't quite understand what that means. Um, so that's and again, that could be interesting if he had more. Again, this is something he's introduced that he's not got time to pay off. So I uh, I do love the next page is the the Alpha Flight whatever that is there. It's their version of the Quinjet. Uh, I love that design. You see the back of it. Yeah. Getting on the, getting on. and Got the maple leaf. Yep. Uh, and then Pablo, you see Pablo oh. kind of skulking in the back. Like he's, like he's jealous that Heather is kissing Logan. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is a good example of, of Burns plot, plotting, taking those quiet moments away because they, they wrap up the story there. Mac and Heather taken off with, with you know, and all, all that. And I think Shaman's supposed to be leaving with them too, I guess, but we can't really tell from the image. And they say, okay, well, what's next? All of a sudden, Xavier gets a phone call about what's going on with uh, from Professor Gray. 
Jean's father. That's, and that's all true. Sudden, the rest of the X-Men at this point don't know that Phoenix has returned. Right. It's just Aurora and Scott. And bam, 37 minutes later, they're there. They took their own flying vehicle, and it took 37 minutes to get from Westchester to Annadale on Hudson. They got lost. That thing should have been able to go a lot faster. Oh, everybody had to put their costumes on. That's right. And they had to load a yeah. wheelchair in. That's true. True, true. And then we get our moment where Logan meets Storm. Uh, yeah. But her outfit, man, some people would say she was asking for it. Not me, Ooh. mind you. Not me. Well, she needs to change that outfit. It's got nothing to do with the design. It's just, I just, it's, a, go back to her other costume. It's a terrible design that way when she rearranged it. Um, but to your point, Brian, they've had a chance to catch their breath. They're going from one right. adventure to the next. And when they think they're getting some downtime, which I guess they thought with restoring Wolverine's memories, then the Phoenix pops up again. Uh, then we get so grumpy face Gene. Yeah. But that, that image, though, of Logan after Storm has, you know, whirlwinded him away from her, that image of him down there and he snicked his claws out and his eyes are squinted and he's angry. Yep. And this is this is the kind that one flash and he, he could sit there and just, you know, eviscerate you. This is what Logan does. And we've seen flashes of that in, in 143, you know, even after all that they've been through, Nightcrawler Kiss and Mariko caused Logan to swipe at him with his claws. Yeah, and fortunately, Nightcrawler was able to teleport away. But if he got up to Storm with those claws, no telling what he would do here in his anger. Well, John, I mean, you're quiet. Have you been talking and, and muted? Maybe he stepped away. Kirk, but, would uh, you? Uh, Kirk's been quiet too. Kirk, let us. Um... No, I haven't. I've been here. Um, no, I'm no. noticing how Logan, after she, he's spanked by. This uh, young Jean, uh, he doesn't say anything. Um, she says, you better behave. Watch himself around me. He says nothing as they go into the house. Then he's parked at the uh, on the couch or at the dinner table. I don't know if the, those chairs are supposed to be moving and assembling them. But he's he's like silent. He has said nothing. I wonder if she has... Um, lobotomized him or done something serious i don't know he does to your point kirk he does seem to kind of straighten up pretty quick because he's the one that even tells scott he said play along um he says one of them is crazy or something he says you better play along because um play along summers this babe has a temper um where does he say that when he's uh top of um when she's serving them all tea on the couch it's a top panel Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, I hadn't turned to that page yet. I see it. Yeah. Um, but let's let's address him when he first he first gets held in place by Gene, and he says makes a comment about you guys recruiting from Hugh Hefner's date book. You know, as a reference to how attractive Gene is. Well, leaving Logan when he first came onto the team was never that way with with uh, Gene. If he was, he kind of slowly fell in love with her. He never, never, he never hit on her, did he? Or am I just not remembering? I don't think he was ever fresh with her, was he? Say it again. When in the original run of X Men, when Logan comes on and he gets introduced to Jean, you know, obviously we see over the course of the those first twenty thirty issues that he's kind of falling for Jean. Yes. But he's never kind of fresh with her, or he never hits on her. Like he's kind of here. 
Um, uh, so you, I don't, or maybe I'm misremembering. Well, there's at least one instance where he kind of makes a pass at her um, because of the tree tree incident. I don't recall exactly what it is. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering. I just I just don't know if that was. Uh, well, there, it's uh, only one that I remember. Yeah. But he, but to your point, he does, he does kind of for being Wolverine, he does, he does seem to be a little more strategic about this, or maybe that's just his instincts of kicking in that. I better call it cool. Um, well, since he was just in his mind, just at Department H. Yeah. You know, he was a leader, and he had to think more strategically. So it makes sense to me what he's saying to Scott. There, he's being the leader, realizing no, no, you've got to hold back because this we don't know just how powerful this is. And he's not confused as to her, to the way she's acting, like the way everybody else is. Because she is, he doesn't know that, you know, this was Jean Grey, then it was Phoenix, and then all that. To him, mm-hmm. it's just a, a woman that's powerful, and he thinks he better keep, you know, you know, keep his place so he doesn't want to get in trouble. Question is, would he fall in love with this version the way he did with Jean Phoenix um, after she became Phoenix? That's a good question. I don't know if he would. Um, you know, it's the the. I think the answer know, is circumstances. no. Well, there, there there was an interesting, you know, moment earlier when he was uh, he'd been, you know, he had his arms ripped and everything, and he was just kind of uh, his brain had been fried by Phoenix uh, earlier in Elswin, and so he was speaking in very basics, and when they brought. Jean Grey, just regular old Jean Grey, Marvel girl, back in to, to talk to her and everything. He walks up to her, looks at her, sniffs her and everything, and he's like, not Jean. Yeah. Because she's not the Jean that he was in love yeah. with. Yeah. It's true. So he might not, he might not. Uh... He may not fall for this one like he did, you know, because it was that phoenix gene combination that's it's right after she became that phoenix gene combination that all of a sudden he starts you know what i kind of like this gal yep i'm gonna get some flowers for her oops <laughs> well and the fact so, that um go ahead brian well i was just saying you, you made it well go ahead and finish your point here because i'm, I'm well, just gonna sentence. move on because we're you know as, as they're all sitting down kind of playing house and they're trying to get some questions from her and she's being elusive. She's like, you know, I, I you know, basically I am the real gene and she's very kissy kissy with, uh, uh, with Scott. And then we cut to professor and Joff with Cerebro and they're trying and they, and they determine that it gene, uh, Phoenix does not show up as a mutant, but would Phoenix show up as a mutant? It's not a mutant. It's a entity. Hmm. So, you don't know. I mean, is she the only one of her type? And if she is, you know, well, it's does that well, make I mean, it's, different? Well, I, I guess mean, wouldn't it be if if it with all of the reckoning? I guess the the G the 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 person that was before the uh, since the solar flare, the cocoon. She probably shouldn't show up as a mutant because technically, because according to the retcon, she wasn't Jean Grey. But the right. Jean Grey afterwards would be the mutant, wouldn't it? Well, if she copied Jean's body, wouldn't that copy be considered a mutant? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think I think this is actually Jean's body, though. At this point, right? So it's this still, one is, yeah. 
So maybe that's what he's that's what's confused because it's not showing up as a mutant because it's registering Jean's body somehow. Um, he said it's not a new. He said it's not. Uh, but this manifestation, Jean Jean reported, if it's not a new reading, but it's not, and then he cuts off his. Oh no, we don't know what what he's referring to after that because we cut. It's Proteus. <laughs> I, I find like it interesting. Idea. I find it interesting. Joff is impressed by Cerebro. This is an impressive instrument, Xavier. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that Shiar, comes yeah. from a, a spacefaring, yeah, ultimate technology and all that. And yeah, he's, Xavier's he's old just device impre- here. He's impressed this, this primitive ape could actually do something. That's like probably this. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, I, and Kirk, if it was Proteus, the signature would be in Cerebro because he knows Proteus. Yes, but that's what uh, it says. He says, but this manifestation, okay. John Gray reported. It is not a new reading, but it's not. Oh no! So oh, it's not okay. a new reading. He's just said we have thousands cataloged yeah. in Cerebro's okay, memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it and, is and somebody like also, they have already dealt with. The the um, map that Xavier is looking at. I think he pulled that from Google Maps. <laughs> Isn't that London? Is Anna, it looks like that's Annandale and Hudson. Is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, aside from the fact that he's got a very oddly shaped monitor, because it's not uh, a rectangle or a square like you'd expect in anything. It's it's not even a, a pentagon. It seems to have some very odd turns on it. It looks like the... It's uh, like it fit on the wall. looks like the inner roster from This Island Earth. Um, <laughs> well, my question is, if he's using a Cerebro, why is he not... Doesn't have the helmet on. It's not Cerebro. Yeah, he says well, it's part Cerebro, of, part of, Yeah, he's using Cerebro. Cerebro did not send out an automatic alarm, so this cannot be a mutant we've not encountered before. Okay. Maybe just because he's reviewing data and not actually actively Maybe. using Cerebro to search for something? True. Well, and, and I think it's interesting that he calls Cerebro it, or not yet. He calls it he, and he's got it in quotes. It says, he isolates and classifies it. So we want to make sure mm-hmm. that this is that Cerebro goes by he him. Um, didn't didn't some writer in the last thirty years make Cerebro some kind of AI or entity or something like that? Probably, yeah. probably it became self aware. Yeah. Probably some alien inhabitant of Cerebro. Uh, maybe that's what he's referring to. <laughs> And that is a, a, a representation of Annandale on Hudson, but um, the roundabouts aren't as perfect as they are there. Oh. Uh, and it's not mapped north to south like uh, like that. It's turned on its side. Well, he, he rotated his map around. Yep. Fit his monitor. <laughs> and then we cut to Ashley and her mom, and this is, you know, Ashley's been slightly more developed than Pablo. Um, and she's going off to school to Xavier's school. And then we find, and I wonder if this is the Sentinel that we saw recharge himself. I think that's a, a logical connection. Yeah, that's what I, I think thought. so too. Maybe um, he has a connection to her, like we said on the last issue. It's like, yeah, because be you're supposed buddy. to think you're supposed to think that Pablo woke it up at first because it was Pablo got the dark look and everything, and the page yeah. went dark. And then you went to another storyline. You start. You're supposed to think, okay, well, the next page was the Sentinel waking up and charging itself, 
And you're thinking, oh, crap, Pablo did that. But when you go back to the story, Pablo just threw Logan against the wall. Yeah, because well, it established that when they, when Kitty and uh, uh, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. Remember, when they were, Kitty was showing her around. And they were yeah. playing around and Ashley animated the Sentinel to kind of scare uh, Kitty. Um, we thought that was a big joke. They went off and, you know, they got scolded by Xavier. At the end of that, we saw the light kind of come on in the Sentinel's eye. So I think that was mm-hmm. established that he has some reserve power or something. So he's able to get up and he charges himself up. And then he's uh, maybe he's going after her because she his her her signature is like the last thing to register. So he's going after that mutant. Um, it's coming to pick her up. She's using yeah. it to take her to, to Xavier's. That's the way I see it. And for those that, that aren't too. familiar yeah. with her character, she was in X-Men The Hidden Years. Um, one of the storylines they did there, one of the new mutants that Xavier had discovered. And she an omnibus has she's been a lot younger about the hidden years. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm going to have to get that. And she can control either control metal or can control machines. I think she can control metal. And she, she, treats, she treats Sentinels as her own personal puppets. Right. Yeah. But Therefore, didn't the, the, that Sentinel is... befriend her? Didn't it, you know, wasn't it friendly with her? Yes, I, I think that's the case. I think that's where this is heading. Probably. Yeah, so she ha- she has an effect on the pro. She can affect ha- have an effect on the programming. Apparently, uh, interesting. So so we're supposed to think, oh, she's in danger when she says it's way too soon for trouble to start. But right. uh, really, she's called this sentinel here to take her. Uh, it's like um, Johnny Sacco and his giant robot. Um, <laughs> yeah, Frankenstein Junior. Exactly. Same thing. Iron Giant. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Iron Giant. Yeah. In our next page, we go back to the Nightcrawler Duck Doom storyline. Yeah. And some I love Doom's little appearance out of the mist. Or he teleported. However he got there. Um, Kirk has been saving people. I like how his... his uh, It's either his BAMF or the, the beams from the, uh, the Doom bots... Is going through the, um, the sound effect. The sound effect. It's going through that O. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool. And yeah. this is where he doesn't know. And he says, you know, Kirk knows who he is. And he says, we have nothing to, you know, what do you have to do with me? And then he says, you will learn soon enough. And, you know, he's typical tells him basically shut up. Um, and then Kirk tries to leave and he can't because Magneto is somehow keeping him from teleporting. And I do love, love that the, Kirby crackle around. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love the dialogue between Doom uh, when Magneto says, uh, to you, I remind you, Von Doom, that we are equal partners in this campaign. And he says, if that delusion <laughs> serves my purpose, then indulge yourself in all you want. Um, I love it when somebody writes Doom great like that. Yes. Um, and here's some more of what, what we were talking about in the, the page where he pushes Pablo away and how the pages were kind of dark. Look in the upper left where Kirk is jumping over the Doombots. It's like he has shaded mm-hmm. his body. It's like he's either he's done the same thing by rubbing the his pencil graphite over it, because he looks much darker than his surroundings. Is that representing what Magneto's doing to him? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just to make him offset against the whiteness of the rest of it. Yeah. Um, because it's not. And it some of it just may be that that's from, you know, his own uh, when he's working with the pencils, you know, he's been a lot of, he's, when he's doing all that black shading, that's going to rub off and it's going to smear. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. 
Oh, but that's again we get another image of Kurt, someone grabbing him by his hair and pulling his face up. That's happening yeah. too much too often. Well, Kirk has been he has he is kind of the Miles O'Brien of this these issues. He has been kind of tormented the whole time he's been on the no true. I've noticed that. Yeah. Next page we get Dr. I mean uh Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. It's always nice to see uh Byrne doing the FF again. But you notice he's gone on on his Ben Grimm, his um his vision of Ben is a little bit more of a, a portly version of the Rich Buckler, George Perez version rather than the, the version he came up with. But the version he came up with didn't really take root until after Franklin restored him back to his Rocky image right. instead of the dinosaur hide that he had there for a while. But Johnny just looks like old Johnny. Yeah. Well, and Sue's got doesn't have her short haircut. Didn't he give her what? that bob? Didn't he give her the... Um, page boy yeah. look at one point and now she's got a ponytail yeah um, but I love Johnny melting the arms off the sentinel uh, I was going to say sentinels but doombots these two pages well, are they're not really, really doombots are they they're, aren't, what they are, aren't they referred to as something else dooms robots they're, they're dooms robots I don't think they're they're not doombots in that they look like doom they're his, right. his servant robots but these two pages are really beautiful the, yes. the Johnny's flame on where he's melting the two arms off um, when he's Johnny looks a little weird when he's trying to avoid the, um, the concussions. But that explosion. Well, when Kirk teleports away from Johnny, that is that's gorgeous. The way he's he's basically filled it in and uses probably electric racer to create that huge bamp. That's, yes. you know, Johnny's startled by what's gone on because Kirk's disappeared. I love in, uh, the the two sentinels' arms falling <laughs> yeah. next to Johnny as he's got Nightcrawler going away. But that well, he calls him uh, creepy jeans, which I thought considered is probably derogatory. Um, yeah, I mean that that is really God. That's horrible. Yep. Golly, to think about I that. Hope they're not sentinels. Remember the last incarnation of sentinels, the FF dealt with had mutants inside them oh yeah no. just burned their arms <laughs> off oh nah nah these are just regular doom bots doom robots uh, and then and last the last page is is great too i love the way he's got ben on hold, hold on though the oh. the page before where nightcrawler teleports away and then johnny gets taken up by the concussion beams that panel where johnny's fallen is really not it, I mean, you really have to struggle to look at it to see what's really going on with Johnny. Well, because some of it is the, the, the Christmas. I think that's Christmas ornaments. Yeah. About, and his yeah. guidelines are kind of in the way, what he's drawn to get the perspective right. And all the cars look truncated. Yeah. Yeah, that that was I, – I, I mean, again, he's drawing perspective of something small from a distance. I bet inked it would probably be a lot clearer, but um, – yeah, that one just hard to uh, look. You have to really look at it. And this is starting to Fort get. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, and and then Ben dislocates Johnny's leg. <laughs> well, yeah, he probably would. Well, yeah, he throws him throws him over his over his shoulder to the back of the the back of the cycle. But this looks like I haven't read the next issue, but um, looks like we're just in for some good old fashioned comic book fights so mm -hmm. a team uh, up a, a donnie bro yep that's what it says next team up so 
Well, you know what that means. It's crossing over to Marvel team up with Ben and Johnny. That's right. <laughs> Marvel two and one. Uh, what? No, no Spider Man? Oh, yeah, two and one. Yeah. Well, I, I well, would say I like fun. this issue better than the previous one because it dealt less with Gene and the Phoenix stuff and dealt more with setting other stuff in motion, um, especially the FF and Nightcrawler and Doom and Magneto. So. But you definitely got a, a lot of good development. It actually moved things mm-hmm. along, even even when it was in the Gene storyline, because you got to see what was going on with Logan. Yeah. And you know there. So yeah, definitely um, uh, better paced, I guess, than the, than the previous issue. Though he, I mean, he threw a lot in here. He threw the kitchen sink into this issue. Yeah. Well, any uh, I. Uh... As Kirk has mentioned, we're we're approaching a two-hour mark here. Any uh, any final any thoughts on these? Where it's, I mean, I know Brian, you've read ahead, and John, I don't know if you have or not. So you kind of know where this is headed. I haven't, so I don't know how the final two issues wrap things up. But you know, the thing is, my memory is not as good as it used to be, and I don't recall exactly what happened in the last two issues. So I'm looking forward to rereading those. I mean. This isn't like when we were kids. We remember those books so well because they were the only books we could get at the time. And we reread them and reread them and reread them. So we know the dialogue. We know the images and everything so well that we can sit there and remember one thing from another from 40, 50 years ago without a problem. But all the stuff that we do today, we read once and we go on unless we have a need to go back and read it again like we do now. And really, you know, take it apart. So, you know, I don't have the memory of this like I do the uh, those X Men comics of yore. Well, same when I'm writing my synopsis, I'm always having to look back at previous issues mm-hmm. to see what happened, so I can make my notes. But I think part of that is just the way he jumps around; it's hard to keep it straight. But yeah, um, it doesn't exist in my memory clearly. I can't tell you from issue number to issue number uh, what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, I'd like to have an omnibus of this. Yep, wouldn't we all? <laughs> Unfortunately, that would be illegal, so we won't. <laughs> we don't advocate that. Uh, I mean, okay, there there are things that are illegal. It's illegal to. Uh, it would be illegal to go and pay someone to mass produce these. But if you went in yourself with all the pages and got them bound up into a thing, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think Burns actually been presented with at least one, if not more than one, of these bound together. But you mean uh, in, a, in, in like a trade paperback? Yeah, omnibus? like an omnibus. Yeah. Yeah. How that's did he, two point, yeah. I think there are too many of them out there now. I mean, if you go to eBay and do a search for X Men Elsewhere, you'll see all these things for sale for like three hundred dollars. You know. It's it's really insane how much people are charging, and it's you know for something that this is the kind of thing that could get Marvel or Disney involved. Um, well, uh, I think it's if you do it for yourself, that's one thing. But if you're trying to profit on it, that's different because you're not obviously you're not going to share any of that money with him. Um, exactly, it'd be like if we charge people to listen to this podcast based on his work. It's like yeah, that's not right. So yeah, you can get uh, just doing a quick search of Elswin Omnibus on uh, 
on eBay. There's a rare X-Men Elseman Omnibus Collects issues 1 through 24, 504 pages. They want $289 for it as a, a buy it now option. Now that's terrible. They don't include the last issues. <laughs> right. Well, and then you can get the very rare X-Men Elseman trade paperback volume 5. Uh, collects issues 25 through 30 for 139 dollars as a buy it now. Well, how, that's legal. Do, I don't know how eBay lets that stay up there. They're, and, and they're coming from France. The only way that they'll drop it is if somebody reports it. And to report these things is getting more and more difficult. Yeah. Well, I guess Byrne would be the one. He would he need to get lawyers involved to get somebody to. Not Byrne. It'd have to be Marvel. Yeah, if they're still selling his work, even though right. he didn't get. It's true. Yeah. How does it? Yeah. It's Marvel and him. I mean, they're selling Marvel's properties and they're selling Burns art. Uh, Burns art. The worst thing we could do would be to publicize this. So let's not tell them where to find this. In fact, let's no. rewind the tape. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt. Nobody's going to go and sit there and buy this stuff. At least you know nobody no. that's been listening to us all this time, because they know. I mean, we've sit there and talked about just uh, you know what, what all this means. And besides, why would you sit there and pay three hundred dollars for something that you could probably go and get printed out just like that for about twenty bucks? Yeah, if you have to have it, you know, just or read yeah. it for free. If you just want to read it, you can just read like we do, just read it online. Right. And not only that, a lot of these guys have created PDFs of the entire issue, uh, which is really cool, and you know. You know, that's ridiculous. And that, that's actually against what the whole purpose of the project was, was it's not supposed to be printed and pay and charge money for. No. I mean, get, you know, give, give the man some respect. I mean, he's doing it out of his own and he, he doesn't have permission from Marvel to do it. But still, don't just enjoy it the way he meant for it to be enjoyed, which is just to read it and enjoy the stories. Yep. Yep. But. That's all I've got for. I mean, I thought these two issues were, you yeah, know, they were they were good. Uh, it's leading up to some, some what seems to be some good stuff, but um, we'll have to see. We'll have to do our, I guess, one more. If we have two more issues, we'll do one more show, and then we'll do a, and then maybe that will be a little longer. We can do a kind of retrospective about what we thought of the whole run since we've been covering this for. Well, and and the thing is, it's not. There's still uh, one aspect of it all that uh, hasn't come back. And that when Burns said that he was not going to do anymore, he said, I still have all this stuff from the plot lines and everything that is going on. And I'm going to let you guys in on the inside and show you what I was doing and what I was planning. And he hasn't done any of that yet. Now I'm wondering if it's just something he lost interest in and just decided not to do it. Or he just got the, the one of the things that does happen on his site is people keep trying to say to him, Hey, why don't you do this? Or hey, why don't you do that? Or what would it take to inspire you to do it again? And they're, you know, it's the kind of thing that he just writes as a response, sigh. Yeah. Because they don't get it. You know, it's it's just not. It's just not not in him right now. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up, Kirk was very good earlier in uh, talking about our. Uh, email address got to get burned to gmail.com and about our facebook group we're also on apple Podcasts, formerly itunes and we sure could use a review there if you give us a five-star review it uh, makes us uh, you know available to people for people to see that had not seen us before 
uh, as they do their searches for different things, all of a sudden, Third Degree Burn will pop up and they could listen and become a fan. So uh, be, if you haven't uh, given us a review on iTunes, please go out there and do that as soon as you can. We really could use it. And, and remember, Brian, the five-star reviews get to pick a book. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. Well, yeah. really, if you – come on. If someone selects a book for us, we might actually bring them on the show. That would be fun. But you never know. And there may be something coming uh, real soon to our Facebook page uh, for those that would like to give us suggestions on what they think that we should cover in the future. So uh, keep an eye out there. We got anything else? No, I think I'm. I think I've said my piece. All right. Well, who's going to take us out? I think you just did. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you got Kurt Greenfield right there. You got John Hyatt over here. You got Tim Elliott way, way, way over, way over there, there in the heat. And we did have David Tom Thompson for a little while earlier. And I'm Brian Hughes for Third Degree Burn. Thanks. Have a great week. We'll be back. Wolverine. Cool guy. Everybody's favorite, Wolverine. Favorite X-Man. Look, I've been going over your file, and I've made the decision to fire you because you are worthless. What? You're worthless, and you're fired. Fired? Let's add listening to your already impressive list of skills. I'll put it right next to, um, made of metal, the substance that the guy we fight the most can manipulate with his mind. But I've got these. Yes, very impressive. Also made of metal, but I guess handy for all those fights where you can get right next to the person you need to attack. This is your power. That's it, you flail. I'm pretty important to this team, bub. Okay, let's say Magneto is on one side of a bridge and he's killing a lot of people, like a lot. And we arrive on the other side of the bridge. I'm gonna run at him. You're gonna run at Magneto. I'm very fast. Okay, even if you're very fast, still gonna take you quite a while. Couple minutes. That's what, three dozen people dead? Or storm, fly over two seconds, suck him into a hurricane. Problem solved. I, I have a motorcycle, maybe I'd ride that. What is a motorcycle made of? Tubes. I'm sorry, you say tubes? Glass and tubes. I can really feel you picturing a motorcycle and trying. It's made of met, met, metal. 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 It's made of metal. It's made of metal, which magnetically can twist and bend and throw you off the bridge and now you're f***ing dead. I'm very useful to the team. I guess, when you're not off somewhere having harrowing visions of your origin. Oh, where did I come from? Where did I come from, though? No, no, you're not hearing me. No one gives a hot sh But where did I come from? Get a journal, Logan. You're gonna have to find gainful employment somewhere else. But what will I do? Where do I go? I don't really give a sh If I had my way, you and Beast would be over at the airport sniffing bags for the TSA. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter 
Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number 3, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.